0: Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk Notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. As we get started, one of the things I, I want to make very clear is that when we do a message series like this, we are hoping that your uh, your, I don't know if I would say your conduct or your uh, your life and, and, and maybe some of your habits will change. That, that you could look back to this message series and say, when I, when I heard that message series and I went through it, it was life-changing. And one way that I believe that this message could be life-changing for you, and, and it kind of is for me, as well as I do this again and again, that is a life change that could be made for you is that you would pray the Lord's Prayer on a daily basis. We, we come and we use it at church, which is great, but the Lord's Prayer, when, when the disciples came to Jesus and they asked him, Lord, teach us how to pray, just as John taught his disciples, he didn't mean to tell them, you know, once a week when you get together at church, here's a prayer and, and, and make sure you say it the right way. You know, there, there's the old version of the Lord's Prayer. There's a new version of the Lord's Prayer. No, J- Jesus is, is, actually, as he was tr- telling them the Lord's Prayer, it wasn't even about exact wording. It was about concepts. And so I had gotten to a point, and, and do this even now, when I pray the Lord's Prayer, it takes me approximately 30 minutes. 30 minutes. 30 minutes. And I know what you're thinking. That's because you're really slow, Pastor Dan. And uh, our, you know, are you doing whale talk? Yeah. our Father. Yeah. No, nothing like that. But, but rather, what these are meant to be is that each part of the Lord's Prayer is meant to be a subject matter that, that isn't to be the end of it when you say it, but it's meant to be a springboard into a conversation about it. And so what I did is, with the first part, I've listed the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 9-11, and, and I did it the way it is for, on purpose. And what I would like to do as we go through it right now, this is kind of the introduction, is it's a review. And so uh, it says, this then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven. And I want you to write, a, a, in really small next to that, I want you to write the word access. A-C-C-E-S-S, access. Our father in heaven. And that's what I want you thinking of when you pray our father in heaven. And that's where you can stop. And usually what I do is I stop for five minutes and just think about that. There is only one person who would dare to wake the king at 2 a.m. and then say to the king, I want a glass of water. And that is the king's child. It's the only person in the kingdom who, who can yell for the king at 2 a.m. and not only get a reply, but also get what you want. And when we start with the Lord's Prayer, it, it's the word access. You have access to the king because you are his child through faith in Jesus Christ. And as you, you, you cry out to him, he's responsive. He cares about you. He loves you. Our Father in heaven. The next word, hallowed be your name, I want you to write the word worship. Hallowed be your name. Specifically, as you think about that, the word, I want you to look at the word name. I'm just going to tell you, the, word, the name Salofra is not a very common name. And uh, as a matter of fact, as I've never seen it anywhere in the United States as we've searched the only places we've seen it is in Italy, where, where actually the name comes from. And because of that, I, I've grown up in a family who's very proud of the name. And it's not just like my dad, but it's, it's, it was his brothers and his father. And I remember when the oldest great-grandchild was born to my grandma, when he was three years old, Anthony is his name, that his dad taught him this little chant. S-O-L-O-F-R-A, best darn name in the U.S.A. <laughs> and, and it was like, oh, and my grandma loved it. And it was like, oh, yeah, that's so cool. And, but anyways, that, that, there were times when my dad had a conversation about that. And he's like, understand, when you take the family name, the way that you act and what people think about you affects that family name. And, and it, was, it was one that was like, oh, wow. You know, it, it, as a young child, I remember having that conversation. God has given you his name. He allows you to be called a Christian. The word Christ is associated with who you are. And so the worship that we do is, is not only here as we hear God's word, but also as you go in the world in the way that you act, in the words that you speak, it reflects the name of the one who came to be the savior of the world. You, it's worship. You worship the Lord as you use his saving name uh, by both what you say and what you do as a witness in your life. The next one, your kingdom come, I want you to write the word Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Remember, Jesus is the one who said, my kingdom is not of this world. And so the kingdom of God comes when the Holy Spirit, through his word, Comes to to groups of individuals, uh, a group of individuals like today, as the Holy Spirit works through God's word. But this is a very personal prayer. Your kingdom come is when the Holy Spirit comes into your heart and and makes changes and and resides in your heart and, and makes your heart his home. Your kingdom come. Lord, send your Holy Spirit to me. The next, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I went back and forth with what word to use. I'm just going to ah, this is a horrible it's a good it's a great word, but I'm going to salvation is what I want you to write there. And the reason why I hesitate to say salvation is it's kind of an ambiguous word that it, it what does that exactly mean? But your will be done. God wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. If you are praying God's will be done, God's will is that you end up one day in heaven with him. God's will is that the person next to you ends up one day in heaven. God's will is that the entire world ends up with him in heaven. And so when we pray your will be done, it's not about these little things in my life, but it's the big picture. And then finally today, uh, we're, we're continuing, give us today our daily bread and I'm going to have you write the word there, and we're going to research it, not right now, is the word dependence. D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-C-E. Dependence. So, again, I want to make it clear, the, the takeaway from this, if you need to, to, to write the Lord's Prayer on a piece of paper and put it on your fridge, great. If you have not memorized, great. Uh, I, I hope you would commit it to memory but then as you pray it, that you look at each one of these things and and go deeper and deeper in your prayer life with the subject matter that that God has given. And now as we look at uh, daily bread, we're going to look at Psalm 145, verses 15 and 16. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Again, Old Testament, Psalm, as they would look at the Lord for everything that he had done. And, and so remember, this is, this is a different time. This is a, a, a different world. This isn't where you can go down to Fry's, you can go to Walmart, wherever you go, uh, Safeway, wherever you go to the grocery store and you get to choose from a fully stocked place what you want. But rather, this is, this is a place where very real decisions had to be made. I thought of this when I was in South Dakota uh, with my uh, with my wife for a little vacation. They they have not had rain since early May, and I was sitting at the table when my uh, when Tanya's uncle came in and said, "We need to make a decision, and it's looking like we should plow under the corn and uh, and not spray soybeans." because all we're doing is going deeper in debt and we don't think there is going to be a harvest. And and then they started talking about the investment just in seed of twenty five to $30,000 and that there would be no harvest whatsoever. Now, for them, they've been doing this for years and uh, they are in a position where uh, they can absorb that. I mean, that... that it it will take a huge chunk out of them, uh, but it will, they they can, they they will survive. Everyone in the family is going to eat, okay? That you don't have to worry, you don't have to be sending uh, coupons their way, everyone's going to eat. But back at this time, it was something that was called a famine. And a decision had to be made are we going to try to save any type of seed? Because we're, this year's already ruined, but we gotta think about next year. And we have to have something to plant. And now we have to make a decision on how much we can eat and how much needs to be saved because this is, this is long-term. And you can see how, how they would pray, give us today our daily bread, had a whole different feel to it. So then I started thinking about this, this is what I do, uh, thinking and, and going, hmm, give us today our daily bread. And I thought, how much, how little could I live on for a year? And so, first of all, it's daily bread, so if you go to Fries and they have the PSS brand, I don't, I don't know, it's P-S-S-T or PSSST all I know is it means cheap in some language. <laughs> and so, 89 cents is the loaf of bread. So I'm thinking 89 cents. I could probably do two loaves a week. So that would be roughly $2 times 52 weeks. I could live on $104. And then I thought, God definitely in daily bread includes peanut butter. So so I thought about that as well. So now we're and, and in the Bible, the word jiff is actually used, so it's got to be good <laughs> peanut butter. <laughs> so I, th- I thought about this in, in terms of, you know, maybe throwing ramen noodles for, for or hot dogs occasionally just to spice it up a little bit, and, and thought, I'm sure I could easily eat for the year if I was serious about it for 200 bucks. And, and so that my mind was going in that direction. This is, this is what daily bread means, right? If we're praying for daily bread, we're praying for the least amount that we could survive on for one day. And that's not what this means. It's not. So, so we hear daily bread, but that, that's not what God is talking about. Because really daily bread is everything you need for your body and soul, and so I want you to think, when you think daily bread, I want you to think about yourself. Jeff and I talk about this very often is the quadrant of, your, of who you are, that there's the physical part. And so that, yeah, that's diet and exercise and being physically healthy. But then there's the spiritual part. And, and Jesus clues us into that when he says man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Father. So, so there's a spiritual component of daily bread that's not physical and it's not chewing uh, with your mouth, but it's chewing with your mind. And, and that we have everything we need spiritually to be fed. Then we go down to the next box, and, and the next box is the emotional box. That, that Jesus gives us daily bread emotionally because Christians, or, or not just Christians, people, even though they are individuals, were never, ever, ever meant to live alone. Even Adam, when it, when it started, he realized it's not good for the man to be alone. It's not good for anyone to be alone. And so there's an emotional part. And that has to do with friendships and, and family and people that are close to us and, and being supported and being able to talk and share how you feel and, and, and vent and, and get things out. And then finally, there's the mental box, and that is the things that you think about, ideas, uh, growing in understanding and understanding and being a, a lifelong learner. So, so all of these things are daily bread. So in the blank, you can write, what is daily bread? Daily bread is everything I need for my body and life. Everything I need for my body and life. And I suppose the operative word there is need, right? That, that there's a bunch of stuff I want that I don't always get from God, but everything that I need that I have in him and, and in everything that he's given to me. Now, I've spent a little bit of time on this, but when we pray, give us today your daily bread, that's not even what this is about. I want you to look at the first words of the passage, They are the most important. The eyes of all look to you. Because give us today, our daily bread, is about dependence on God and it's about on a daily basis looking at our lives and stopping and raising our eyes up. The eyes of all look to you, O Lord, and then you supply for them. Now, what we're going to look at now is we're changing gears a little bit and to see why you might not put your eyes on, on God. And so we go to 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 to 11. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But here we go. Give, this is, give us today our daily bread coming up. But if we have food and clothing We will be content with that. But here's the problem. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee from all of this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. And here's what I found out. And, 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 And the problem I had as I look at this in my life. I have prayed many more times, Lord, make me rich, than I have prayed, give me today my daily bread. And if you were to ask me what I really want, yeah, I want loads of money. I, I don't want to have to worry about money. I don't want Crosswalk to have to worry about money. And so, Lord, what would be great is if you gave me $100 million, I know at, that, that at, for, it used to be that concept would be that would never happen, but now with the lottery, Lord, you can do that. You can, you can gift that to me in a way that doesn't even look too supernatural. And so I find myself, and this is the problem, is I find myself at odds with what God wants for me. And, and and really what I'm saying is the eyes of all look to you. I'd like the eyes of all to look at me. And then when they need something to know, I'll take care of it. Yeah, have faith in me, and have faith in my finances, and have faith in money. That's a trap. So, so as we look at the trap of wealth, first of all, I'm, I'm going to give you the first felon. Rich people live in denial. Rich people live in denial. I'm going to give you an opportunity, and this is not a trick question, and this is not talking spiritually, this is talking financially. Financially. If you are rich, I could have you raise your hand. I could have you start clapping. Um, but if you if you are rich, raise your hand if you're rich. Be- okay, because the st- stewardship team is looking for money. And are we there? Are we got them? Uh, yeah, we got. We, we have we have the Malone fortune, and we have now have access to it at crosswalk. Our concerns are gone. Now, and this is the thing, rich people live in denial. So I'm going to say the vast majority, as it seemed, would say that you're not rich. But but these are the numbers. That if you have $1,500 of of any net value or worth, you are in the top 20% in the world. If you have daily that you eat food that you have clothes and you live in a house, you're in the top 15%. If you make $25,000 a year annually, $25,000 annual salary, which is roughly minimum wage, you are in the top 10% of wealth in the world. If you have any savings, if you have more than five pairs of clothes, you are in the top 5%. If you make over $50,000, you are in the top 1% in the world. Wow. So, so as you look at this, and, and as you look at this, that's what we're talking about in, in the world. And, and so why, why do we live in denial of it? That, that as we look at this, according to these standards... I think that we would be looking at probably, I have to believe that at least, at least 75% of the people here are, are top one percenters in, in finances in the world. And, and you live in denial because you don't feel rich. And the reason why you don't feel rich is because you wish you had more. There, there are studies that have been done. When you ask someone who makes $35,000 a year and you ask them how much do you think you would need to live comfortably, you know what they say? $70,000. And when you ask people who make $100,000 a year how much they need in order to be comfortable, they say $200,000. And if you ask individuals who have a million dollars in saving and you ask them how much do you think you would need to be comfortable, you know what they say? $5 million. And, and so there, there's this thing there that, that we live in denial of it because we always want more. Which leads us to number two. Rich people struggle with contentment. Rich people struggle with contentment. There's a story about a little girl who was at McDonald's with her parents. And she was there and she wanted a Happy Meal. And, and so she said to her, prayer, can I have a Happy Meal? And they said, no, we're not getting a Happy Meal. It's, it's more than we want to spend. Get something from the dollar menu. Uh, we're, we're not getting a Happy Meal today. She's like, I really want a Happy Meal. I really want a Happy Meal. I really want a Happy Meal. And they said, you know, the toy in it is not that great of a toy. We know you really want it, but, but no. Look at the dollar menu. And then she said, if you give me a Happy Meal, I'll never ask for anything again. <laughs> so, it, so the parents said okay. And that little girl never asked her parents for another thing for the rest of her life. <laughs> and that is the fairy tale of the day, right? And, and here's the deal, is that what... What, what we, we understand this, don't you, is that when you, you have uh, appetite, an appetite is not satisfied by feeding it. That only makes it worse. So, so if you're a person, and, and if you've gone through this like I have with, with soda, pop, whatever you call it, that, that I've gone times where I've stopped y- drinking it. And then what happens is one day I'm just really tired, so I, I only have like a half a can. And I'll have half a can and I'll be like, yeah, this is what I've been missing. Now I can get some work done. And then later on, I have three quarters of a can. Then I have, you know, two weeks later, one can. Next thing I know, I'm tired in the morning. So I'm starting with one and then having a second one at noon. And the next thing I know, I'm four, four diet Pepsis in uh, by five o'clock and I'm just still dragging. And that's because when you feed an appetite, it continues to get worse. And this is, I don't care if this is food, I don't care if this is drink, I don't care if this is alcohol, whatever it is. And this is the problem that we run into. And, and this is a problem of the sinful heart, that we think that if we feed it, it will get better. That we are like that girl uh, who, who wants her happy meal, but instead of the happy meal, we, we've graduated. We've graduated to the house that we want that we'll be happy in. We've graduated to the car that we want that we'll be happy with. We've graduated to whatever it is that you cannot be happy without, that if you get it, that, then you'll be happy. And then we build garages to store it. Then, then we, we, we are not rich, but we have to have separate rooms for our clothing. And, and we don't have anything to wear as we look at 100 pieces of clothing as we look at 20, piece, 20 pairs of shoes or more, and we have, we have nothing because we're not content. And then finally, where does this lead to the last one? Rich people tend uh, to tie identity and security to wealth. Identity that, that I think of so myself in the terms of what I drive, where I live, how I look. And, and all of that is, is connected to my wealth and that is very important to me. And I have an image that I want to portray and an image that I need to, to, to keep up. And also security. Uh, in the book of Proverbs, it talks about how, how rich people look at their wealth as an unscalable wall. That, that, and, and it is in many ways that, that finances are a wall and they, they do allow us to be secure because if I have a lot of money, I can live in a gated neighborhood and I can buy a security system and I can put all of these things between me and bad people. But the reality of it is that all the money in the world that you have cannot keep you safe. And as you look at these words, if you are someone who's come to crosswalk, often you will know that this will mortify us because we talk about identity all the time. And what is my identity? My identity. I'm a child of God, bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, not a rich snob who who has to, to change the way that people look at me based on how much money I spend. And as I look at my security, my security is found in the cross of Christ. And my security is found in my God who is with me every day. And so what is the answer to this? The answer to this is, give me today my daily bread. And as Lord, as long as you're working hard on it and I pray it, make me believe it. (laughs) Let me actually not only say, give me today my daily bread, but make me want it. And so the next words, the next passage I'm telling you right now, the next passage is solid gold. This is the whole message in this. This This is also from the book of Proverbs. It's at the bottom of the page, top of the next one. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. And I'm going to stop right there. What is the falsehood and lies this is st- talking about? The falsehood and lies that, that I'm not rich. Lord, help me to, to, to get that lie out of there, that I can find contentment in other things than you. Help me to identify that lie. Lord, the falsehood and lie of finding my identity and security and wealth and riches That's what this is talking about because this whole verse is about that. It's about these finances. Keep falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches, but give me only my daily bread. Next page. Otherwise, I may have too much and disown you and say, Who is the Lord? Or I may become poor and steal and so dishonor the name of God. And, and right now, you can begin to understand how hard it is to parent the world when you own everything. And, and the line that God walks, because he loves us and he wants to give us everything, and one day in heaven he will... But right now, as we live in the world that that what he struggles with is you. As he said, I'm worried that if I give them too much, they might get to a point where where they don't they don't look up their eyes. The the eyes of all don't look up, but they look down or they look at themselves at everything that they've done. I know sometimes the prayer is, Lord, why don't you just test me in that area? Why don't you give me lots of money and see how I do? But then the other one is, Lord, don't give me too little because then I become desperate and there's a different kind of self-reliance. I can't wait for God. I have to go steal it. I have to go take this from other people in order to get what I need. But notice, give me daily bread. In the blank, you can write, receiving daily bread reminds us of our dependence on God and daily need for him in every facet of our lives. This is something God, if you want an illustration of this, go to the Old Testament book of Exodus. If you go in Bible Gateway, just put in the word manna. Because manna was, was the way that God fed the children of Israel. Every day they had to go out and they gathered what they needed for that day. Once a week, on the day before the Sabbath, they gathered two days worth so that they could have time to worship the next day. And why did God do that? So that every day they would look up. Lord, thank you for this. It's something we do when we thank God. It's why we pray before we eat that we recognize God without this. You know, uh, another one I've heard is all this in Jesus too. Lord, you've been too generous to me. Give me today my daily bread. Make me dependent on you, Lord, for everything that I do. Why does God want this dependent relationship? We look at the next verse. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. In the blank, you can write, Jesus took my sin and gave me his righteousness. I am rich. This is where it's counterintuitive, just so you know that I know. And you know that God knows? Because I have five children, right? And this year, the last one is going off to college. I am officially an empty nester on August 24th. <laughs> and, and so the whole time that they've been, been living with us, you know, eating our food, dirtying our house, all that stuff, we have been teaching them to, for one thing, and that is to be independent of us, okay? Get a job. Find a place to live. Um, you, especially when you turn 18, right? You know, you can start your, your own clothes, whatever, that we want to get to a point that you do not need anything from us. Anything. But notice what God does with us. What does he want? He wants us growing in understanding so that when we are a child of God, that we become less and less independent and more and more dependent. I need him for my daily bread. I need him for my eternity through Jesus. That we get to a point where we go, Lord, I need you for everything. Everything. And when you are there, mission accomplished. Then you are beginning to understand how God works with you, not only with daily bread, but every other blessing he gives you wanting you to lift your eyes to him on a daily basis. And especially as we look at this, that we come for the daily bread of his love and forgiveness through his word. That on a daily basis, we're confessing our sins, turning to him for forgiveness and taking another meal for another day until the next day when we will raise our eyes to the Lord again. The final verses talk about this, this same order. And they, they, all of these verses together, are, are, they're the same point where they're pointing us to this dependence on God. Matthew 6, verse 19 to 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy. I used to say rust in the old translation. Where moth and rust or vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. And this is the, 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 again, the the heart of it. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where's the treasure? It's looking up. It's in our relationship with our God and our dependence on him. Another verse, the, the way the psalmist David put it. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You want a way to get everything you want from the Lord? Here's how you do it. Make the Lord everything you want. Make the Lord everything you want and he will give you everything you want. That's more than anything else. As he gives you gifts and he gives you blessings, as he gives you daily bread and then bread for a thousand more days and bread for a retirement, bread bread that you could live on, uh, you have more than the rest of your life. He says, "But find your delight in Me." And finally, Matthew six thirty three: "For seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things, this daily bread, and everything else you need, will be given to you as well." These are great verses. Jeez, there's tons of them throughout the Bible, pointing to this reality that God knows that we are physical and spiritual and emotion and emotional and mental. And and that as we look at that, that God gives us everything that we need for our body and life and wants us in a relationship where we continue to look to him. The final blank. Give us today our daily bread. Helps us keep our lives in the right order and reflects our value system. Remember that the word of the day is dependence. Dependence that God wants us to continue to depend on him for everything we need in our our lives. And so we pray, and I hope you will pray from this day forward and mean it. Lord, give me today my daily bread. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you for all the blessings that you have given us in Christ. We have every spiritual blessing. We We are rich in every sense of the word. And so, Lord, help us now as we do that to avoid the ditches on both sides of the road, uh, to not become too proud, to not just look at all that you've given us and forget about you. Or, Lord, if it's a time when we're struggling, that you wouldn't lead us to despair and wonder if you even care about us. But, Lord, help us on a daily basis to lift our eyes to you, uh, to be thankful for all the blessings that, that you have given us, and to live continually in trust. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. This would be an example of a message that, that I hope really gets your thoughts going about what your next step might be. Uh, that, that as we hear this, that the Lord gives us all of these things that we're dependent on him, maybe your next step is to count your blessings in the next week, to be more thankful. Maybe your next step as you, you realize this, oh my goodness, I am rich, but I'm not being a very good manager, that, that it might lead me, my next step is to be a better manager of all that God has given me. Or maybe the next one is, as you look at everything that God has given you, it's to be more generous. Rich people love being generous. People who feel rich are like, you know what? I got plenty. I got more than I need. I'm happy to give it away. And so whatever it is, as you look at where you're at on this spectrum, uh, to, to be generous, to be a good manager, to be thankful and know that today the Lord is going to give you your daily bread. Go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you in favor and give you his peace. Amen.